Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to podcast like it's 1992, uh, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1992 from our perch here in 2020. I guess it's three now. My my brain uh, fried a little bit. Uh, I am your host or one of your hosts, Phil Biscove. I'm your special guest host, Emily St. James, in for your normal host, uh, one million people whose degree whose temperatures have been raised to 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit in one second. It's what a, really a line of dialogue. Line. What a line of dialogue. Um, we are thrilled to have Ben Hosley with us today. I thought about saying all of your nicknames, but then I was like, let's just not do that. We don't need that. That'll take up too much time. It'll take um, up too much time, but 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 you are the producer of Blank Check. You are also, would yes. you say, I, I feel like you're, let's be real, you're kind of one of the hosts of, of Blank Check as well. I mean, I know it's yeah. not, you know, Blank Check with... Griffin, David, and Ben, but sure, it does feel like we get the the, the Ben Hosley perspective on these films, uh, and it is a beautiful perspective. Let's be real. Uh, I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you for describing it as ben, beautiful. I, I really feel like you're sort of a gentleman scholar. Like every time I, I hear about a thing you're doing, I'm like, is that a joke or is that real? And it's always sure. real. Yeah. And it's always oh. great. You know, if you were just like, well, I've gotten a job at Medieval Times because I want to learn about jousting, I'd be like, what a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. I actually <laughs> thought of you, Ben, the other I day. I mean, falconry I- is something I've always wanted to take up, to be honest. <laughs> so you're well, not that far thing. off. I I thought of you the other day because a friend of mine, her husband, um, is going to Paris to study to be a clown. 
like to take clown classes in Paris. Like classic clown. Classic, like OG clown shit in Paris. Sure. And it made me think of you because A, that seems like something you might want to do. But also, having spoken to Griffin on, on many occasions about this, it's not a bit. And that's what I love about you. This is real. This is you are getting the real, like the straight Ben Hosley. There's no bit here. And I think that's just really lovely. I'm just wanting to say that. Uh well, thank you. I mean, yeah, I I find that when I when I can, I want to make things like, for example, I put out an annual holiday music compilation called slow christmas because i felt like there wasn't enough you know (laughs) albums in the world that slowed christmas music down to a crawl and so then i just have been doing it now for the third year in a row i just put it out so yeah yeah, where can people find that uh ben where can they spotify okay if you uh, look up slow christmas number two you can find it they can also find your line of clothing, correct? <laughs> where, where can they find yeah. that? Uh, so the name of my brand, my fashion brand is Congratulations. You can find it at congratulations.com. And yeah, I've just made uh, a whole world, a whole universe of basically just weird bits that I've brought to life. And so, yeah, the clothing, I have uh, hats, I've embroidered, I have some screen printed shirts. I also buried jeans in the ground. I don't want to take up too much time because no, we got to get into this movie. But... Uh, we're we're going to get to the movie, but this is this is important stuff. I, sure. So I want to ask, and here obviously on, here you know, on podcasts like it's 1992, we start with the plugs is what we, we do. That's where I we know, that's what, Yeah. yeah. I felt, but I feel yeah. like this is, this is a good insight into Ben Hosley for our listeners. You know, I mean, the people that might not listen to Blank Check, which seems unlikely to me, but let's just say that there might be some. It's important for our listeners to understand our guests. And this feels like a good purview into you. And, and forgive me if you explain this on, on your podcast, but how did the burying of genes idea come to you exactly? What was it? What was the, the moment? I have been getting into fashion more recently. You Paying have. attention. Mm-hmm. And I've, I saw this sort of ridiculous thing where designers would do all these different sort of various techniques to, to just mm-hmm. stress clothes, right. right? Right. And then upsell what is essentially ruined clothing for mm-hmm. a lot of money. A lot of money. And so my concept is why not have the earth naturally distress? Mm-hmm. You know, it's organic. Sure. You Have know. you worn any of your distressed clothing out of curiosity? Do you know what that's like? No, no. Because <laughs> this is, you know, one of a kind couture Don't stuff. Ruin the so I can't, yeah. I can't ruin it, you know? Like, it no, needs, I, I, that's, that's fair. It needs so, to be sort of pristine when, when someone eventually buys them for $1,000. <laughs> yes. And someone will, by the way, that, that, I, that doesn't seem even a question as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. So um, when I reached out to you with a list of 1992 films, Mm. there were a couple that you came back with. Um, It it shouldn't surprise me that you came back with Under Siege um, because, as any Blanky knows, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) Is a porch classic. Absolutely. Yes. 
I kind of feel like if we're talking about merch, Ben Hosley merch, there should be like a Criterion collection called Porch Classics. <laughs> just a lot. Just yeah. a line of of DVDs, Blu-rays, what have you, of just the porch classics. I mean, VHS truly feels oh, like VHS, my go, apologies. You know, like that's just that feels like on brand. Yeah. Yeah. Get the big clamshell cases. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. My God. Yes. The best. Absolutely. Um, so under Siege 2, you guys did a, a Ben's pick for Under Siege 2. One yes. of a, a classic episode that people should listen to if they if they haven't listened to it. Um, I watched Under Siege 2 around the period that that film came out, so it's not as fresh in my mind. But I did watch Under Siege for the first time for this podcast. Nice. Um, I believe it was the first time for you too as well, Ben. That is correct. So I, I loved Under Siege 2. It was like what Phil's saying, uh, a porch classic my friends and I, we used to watch films on a, an outdoor porch. It was the only place that we had to ourselves to watch our fun little movies. Mm-hmm. So I have all of these sort of very specific, I say usually like 90s action sort of or sketch comedy sort of actor driven type of yeah. movies from that that time. And Under Siege 2 was heavily in the rotation. Never saw one. Yeah, can I ask how that happened? Did you ever wonder, like, am I missing anything by not having seen the original? No, of course. Nope. Yeah, yeah, no. no I mean, uh, I think I wasn't necessarily going and renting movies, mm-hmm. right? I think I was more seeing this stuff sure. predominantly on cable or whatever my friends mm-hmm. would have. So yeah. I, I just, I don't think that I ever really, like was in a blockbuster and saw the, sure. the the VHS tape and was like, Oh, I gotta see this. I just, it never, it just never happened. And it never, I mean, I'll say this about under siege too. Um, not really a ton of uh, allusions to the first film. Like you're not lost no. by watching under siege too. They don't play it. up the rich mythology. They don't like <laughs> dig into the lore. That's weird. That's I mean, strange. under siege barely does that. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole like plot line they cut out of Under Siege 1 that explains why Tommy Lee Jones and Steven Seagal don't like each other. I mean, listen, Under Siege 1 has lore. George H.W. Bush is a character in it somehow. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. They actually he makes like, a cameo. So crazy that they actually shot something with him. That he was like, yeah, sure, I'll do this. So bizarre. <laughs> I, is that, that's not just news footage? I no, assume they just cut it's into- actual. They shot it. He showed up and they did a day with like, George H.W. Bush. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Like crazy. I should get Joe. I should get Joe Biden in my low budget horror movie. (laughs) Hey, will you play the pizza delivery guy, Mr. President? The thing is that if, if, if I imagine, I wonder if he got dinged for this back in the day, because if you are the president and you take time out of your busy schedule to be in a fucking movie, people should just be like, this feels like a waste of your fucking time, dude. You should be doing something more productive. But wait, oh, it's a Steven Seagal movie? Okay, actually, let's <laughs> let it slide. Exactly. I take it all back. Yeah, okay. Seagal. Now that I yeah. know what kind of movie, all right, I take it back. Well, this is the year he's running for re-election. This must be like, this is like when Richard Nixon went on laughing, just like much weirder. That's true. I didn't think about the re-election component of it. I wonder if this helped his numbers, his popularity went up because of this. 
I mean, I his his numbers spiked a little bit after the Republican uh-huh. National Convention, which was right around when this movie came out. So who can say who which can really did say. it? Yeah, who, who was say. he running against? Was this was this Bill Clinton? Clinton. 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 Yeah, and, and Perot. Perot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, so I do want to give a little bit of context for people who have not seen Under Siege. A heroic loner takes on a group of nuclear terrorists and a seagoing yarn posing as a rock band. The terrorists get themselves hired for a party aboard the USS Missouri, a battleship en route to Pearl Harbor for decommissioning. They plan to steal the ship's nuclear arsenal, but haven't reckoned with the intervention of the ship's chef, a decorated former Navy SEAL played by Stephen Seagal. Under Siege was released on October 9th, 1992, so less than a month from Election Day. Uh, against The Last of the Mohicans, The Mighty Ducks, Hero, and Mr. Baseball, all classics of the genre. Uh, It would go on to make $156 million on a $35 million budget. This movie made money. Uh, It has 79% from critics and 62% from audiences, which feels odd to me. The numbers feel reversed, but anyway. Uh, It's got a cinema score of an A-. So people left the theater and gave this thing a fucking A. Uh, Roger Reber gave the film three stars and said, uh, when I saw the coming attraction trailer for Under Siege, I had the feeling I'd already seen the movie. Terrorists land on the USS Missouri and occupy the great battleship. The crew is caught off guard and neutralized, but the bad guys overlook one man, the cook, who turns into a one-man army and fights back. The formula is obvious. Die Hard goes to sea. I walked into the screening of a cynical frame of mind, but a funny thing happened. The movie started working for me. One reason for that is obvious, the overwhelming and convincing presence of the battleship itself. The movie does a terrific job of making every scene play like a real event on a ship at sea, and that's part of the charm. I mean, okay. I love that he's just like, a boat! Uh, I mean, uh, the battleship's kind of a character. It is. It is. You know? Yeah. Phil, we've we've recorded two podcasts today, which is why I've noticed this, but you you said that my... Mighty Ducks was released on both weekends. Can we just make that our bit that Mighty Ducks is always out, like well, tech, against I mean, Mighty Ducks? This it, it was. I mean, I so just for the, the listeners who maybe perhaps not put this together, um, this is like the top five or six movies of that weekend. That doesn't necessarily sure. mean they they all came out on that weekend. So I Mighty think we Ducks just to say Mighty still, Ducks, which is the whole year, just hanging it. out. Yeah. <laughs> so I. I have a question for for both of you uh-huh. because I'm not maybe I know I'm not a Steven Seagal guy. Now, did you both watch Steven Seagal films? Do you have a, a an affinity for some of his movies? Uh-huh. Ben's nodding in the affirmative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I like about Steven Seagal yeah. is yeah. whereas other action stars, they're moving around a lot. <laughs> He stays in place and it's all about, it's all about the hands and, and it's just, it's sort of thrilling, but also not, there's just something about him. You're like, I could do that. You know, other action stars are like doing karate and like Mm -hmm. stuff that seems Mm -hmm. crazy complicated. I I remember like as a kid, I, I was like, Oh, I'm going to sign up for karate. And then I realized how long it takes to learn all these techniques. And you got to like start at the very bottom as far as just doing kind of boring stuff. Whereas I see Steven Seagal, I'm like, I could flip a guy around like that. 
Well, okay. So you're bringing up some interesting points here. Um, before Emily chimes in, I do just want to, I, I want to just say, um, Steven Seagal never leaves the ground, right? No. At, no, at no point, his feet are always firmly planted on the ground. Yeah. He's, I would argue, and I don't mean to body shame, it's a little overweight. That's fucked up. <laughs> I mean, he looks and great. I say, <laughs> he's wearing clothes that hide some of his pudge let's just say mm-hmm. um he he's a cook were... okay <laughs> he's, been, he's been eating a little bit too much of that uh chili booyah base baby booyah base. but i also just think he moves really slowly emily do you have thoughts on steven seagal I like, I remember as I was watching this, there's the mm-hmm. scene where he and Tommy Lee Jones have a knife fight. And I suddenly <laughs> was so, I was so much more engaged in it. And I was like, why am I was like, oh, they're moving. Like, th- like they're like moving, like in a way where it feels like a thing is happening. Was it not really? But like, I, I mean, one of the, the constant themes of this is that I was not allowed to see movies as a child. So, like, uh, I didn't see this movie until a couple days ago. And I, I would argue I still haven't seen this movie. I was I, I, just sort of like, like, and I, I genuinely was like, I miss this kind of 90s action movie as I was watching it. And then after it was over, I just was like, well, that was the thing I did. And uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I really was struck with, and again, this is 1992, right? So this is a while ago now, um, how lo-fi action movies were back in the day. Do you know what I mean? Like we're so now kind of beaten down with so much computer generated effects and elaborate action set pieces and all this kind of stuff. And then you watch a movie like this and you're like, oh yeah, there was a time when people just, I don't know, punched each other a bunch or like fired (laughs) fired some guns like it just oh we got a cameo oh gosh with emily's uh emily's little one. Oh, <laughs> um so yes. muted myself because uh she's not in a good mood oh okay um but i i i was just really kind of taken with and i don't know if you feel this way too ben but like that it was um even die hard which I obviously think is a, a you know an incredible film felt more pyrotechnicy than this movie. Oh yeah, this is scrappy um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean the lighting too is the thing that stood out to me. Where like yeah. comparatively to action movies of today, I mean it yep. it's kind of looks like shit, but in a it great really way. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Like, but here's the thing: this movie plays on an old TV. Oh, like, yeah. like yeah, yeah. on VHS, yeah. like, and, and the, 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 like the color of those, like of that equipment, like mm-hmm. this movie just plays on that stuff. I don't know why, but like, to me, I see this movie and I'm immediately transported to like my friend's like basement or I'm back on the porch or I'm in yep. a den and it's the nineties. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, there's something about the look of it that oh, yeah. just transports me. Well, there's there is no scope to under siege, and I say this as a, as a positive, right? Like it is a movie, and you, you you're talking about like the VHS watching it on an old TV. That's when TVs were square too, right? So like yes. this movie does not really feel letterboxed in any way, right? Like it doesn't feel like the dimensions are wider than a than a square television set. 
the like the big stunt where the helicopter blows up and right. like Steven Seagal is flying over the edge of the ship, right. like happens at the midpoint. I was yeah. like, okay, the conclusion is all in your brain. You see the little like dots moving toward Honolulu or whatever. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, and it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't mind that, honestly. Um, speaking yeah. sort of about the VHS aesthetic, the the YouTuber yeah. H Bomber guy a couple of years ago did a, a short series about VHS aesthetics and how they like worked for certain genres. And I would argue they work for these kind of low budget action movies, you know? I agree. Yeah. I mean, I do think that <clears throat> it also speaks to what you were talking about earlier in terms of Steven Seagal not being like an action action hero in the same way right like it it works when it's just a guy kind of doing knife stuff or like kind of smacking your hands away and like punching you and kind of maybe throwing you into something like it's it feels very and this is the strangest way to put this but intimate like it feels do you know what i'm saying (laughs) like it feels so small that you're just like you feel like you're weirdly a part of this stupid movie like i i I was a little bit flabbergasted that the gene sisko put this on his top 10 films of 1992 this was in the this was number 10 on his list of the best films of 1992 i don't know if this movie might have just kind of obviously it hit critics in the right way i think a part of that is the gary Busey, tommy lee jones kind of wackadoo energy that's kind of there too where both of them sort of feel like they're sort of on book but not really like they kind of know the lines sure yeah they have they have that villain vibe of this time where they're like unhinged Yes. yes and like gary Busey in particular it's like so confounding to sort of understand why he's doing any of this, but you all, but also he's just such a, I mean, he, you know, hasn't, I don't think necessarily lost it yet at this point in his career, but man, he just, his presence, you're like, he's, he just, yeah, he really, I I, I, like the whole time I'm like, I believe this, (laughs) but I'm also just like, you are like, this is such a weird choice for you to make. Every line as the character goes. Every line. Sorry, go ahead. I like have this theory that like all nineties action movies, the villains are uh, Prince John and the Sheriff of Nottingham from the Disney Robin hood, which is that one is a little bit of like a queer stereotype. And the other one is this like malevolent, like psychopath. And this movie fits that to a T. <laughs> but it's also, you know how they uh, often on movies, a director will be a uh, turn to an actor and be like, now do one for you. It feels like, his entire performance is that, right? It's just like the director just said, like, go go do one for you, Gary. And it's all sort of like weirdly delivered. Like every line delivery just feels slightly off. Where you're just like, did oh you God. know the line? Or were you just sort of, I just Thomas genuinely. Lee in this movie, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I and, and it makes sense that something got cut out of it because I, you're truly just like, dude, what is your deal? Like you're wearing a studded letter jacket. Yeah, you're saying yeah. that you're like a hippie, but you're also like, like into like, you know, the deep, deep, like military, like, but mm-hmm. are you a mercenary? Like, it's just, none of it makes any sense. None of it makes just sense. kind of like, okay, he's, 
lost it and he's wants yes. to blow stuff up his i mean his monologue he, he I, it i mean makes no it doesn't sense. make any sense but whatever I, I texted emily this and i stand by the fact that the performance is somewhere between like um two-face and axel rose like that there's just some sort of a, a, an agent of chaos mixed with sort of some semblance of Emily said it was Q like from QAnon, which I do think there's something to <laughs> like, I think that's, uh, I think that's, that feels right to me because he's got all these like conspiratorial notions of like what the government is up to, but no evidence of it really, other than the fact that they tried to kill him. And he's convinced that that means everything he thinks is true. I don't he, quite get it. No, he references like something about, like I feel like there's that weird conspiracy about the the radiation of the sun or something. Yes. I mean, it's like like yeah. it's like almost quaint and like the conspiracy like of that day comparatively to what we live in now. Hundred percent. Like this is a period when those guys are like on the radar, but most pop culture is making fun of them outside of like the notable exception of the X-Files. And now we all have to take those people seriously when they stand up at the school board meeting and start talking about like how the radiations are from the sun is like turning, you know, kids into like monsters or something. Yeah, Talk about the house. I mean, there's people in the house of representatives right now that believe these things. So, I mean, it's, it's, I also, I mean, not to go down a whole political thing, but I'm also convinced that like, most of these politicians don't actually believe this stuff and it's just lip service for the lunatics that they think believe this oh, stuff. They believe, so. they believe all this. Phil. They believe I grew right. up in that world. They believe all this. You think George Santos believes this stuff? I think George Santos. He'll believe whatever you want him to believe. Jesus. So that, that, but be that as it may, I do think that now the character's name, forgive me that Tommy Lee Jones plays is uh, it sounds like what is God damn it. Oh, Stranix which yes. is just amazing um so <laughs> so i stranix had a storyline originally just to read this that so there's there's a line at the end of this film when when stranix and ryback casey ryback played by steven seagal confront one another and stranix says i know you and says it's been a long time they they leave that line in for reasons that baffle me. If you're going to cut all the other stuff, just cut that. Lo- but anyway, so it refers to a scene which was written, but not filmed that was intended for the very beginning of the film. and was supposed to refer to an event five or six earlier where Ryback seal team was briefed by Stranix, then a CIA, a CIA operative prior to a mission that they did not prove successful. And it was this whole like unreliable narrator and loyalties. And then they were like hired to potentially kill him or whatever. Long story short, why didn't the movie open with that sequence? I think, I think the problem was that that scene featured George HW Bush and he was on a tight time frame, and they just couldn't get the coverage they needed. So they, just, they couldn't cut it together. <laughs> By the way, could be true. Could very well be true. I, <laughs> so the other the other thing that needs to sort of be talked about is that the next year 1993 Tommy Lee Jones wins an Academy Award for The Fugitive a movie that is directed by the same guy that directs this movie Andrew Davis mm-hmm. um there's a lot of people from The Fugitive in this film like lots of just like bit parts you know supporting characters what have you that pop up in The Fugitive The Fugitive is a stone cold classic can we all agree that The Fugitive is a great movie okay 100% 
So The Fugitive's great. And The Fugitive, I think, is doing everything that this film thinks it's doing. In the sense of, like, a hero we care about. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it's wet diehard. I think you had it right. I mean, that's it's the one man. It's the perfect, like, just one man is going to solve this problem. And... I, it's interesting. I didn't know that the same filmmaker did the fugitive. Um, yeah. The, the, I mean, it's like, right. Because we're getting into like the military, like sort of, yep. sort of inner workings, right. With this movie. And I feel like I can see the comparison you're making, but yeah, the, the thing is, is that Harrison Ford um, is the star of the fugitive. And and this movie stars uh, Steven Seagal, so I think that's sort of where you it's get a big difference. Sort of, yeah, yeah, that's where yeah. they sort of uh, like the past diverge. sort of diverge. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I I think that the other thing too is that the Fugitive has those kind of golden eye set pieces, right? So like mm. when he jumps off the off the dam. Or, you know, the big train crash at the beginning. Like, there's these set pieces that you're like, you know, that that pop. This movie doesn't really have any of those. And I wonder if, and Emily, you brought this up in our texts, Steven Seagal has less than 70 minutes of screen time in this film. It feels like they're going out of their way to have him in this as little as is humanly possible, while also seeming like he's the hero of this movie, which is a choice. It does feel like this is a dry run for The Fugitive. It's a very ensemble-heavy movie. It cuts between the antagonist and protagonist at will. Um, It is, again, just like Harrison Ford is a much more compelling presence. But, like, this movie, you can see where it has, you know, if you had, like, an Arnold Schwarzenegger in that lead role, like, I think a lot of this would really snap into place. A hundred percent. And I think that it's not even, you know, I don't don't want to, you know, spend this just clowning on Steven Seagal because like, I do think that Steven Seagal, first of all, Ben won't allow it. And that's completely fair. Um, (laughs) I'll grab you by your hand and I'll (laughs) twist your little finger and you'll just, for whatever reason, fly off the edge of, yeah. The (laughs) railing or whatever, you know, it's just, it's very strange that like, I, and I, I say this not with judgment, but like that he, he had a moment, right? Steven Seagal, had and forgive me i'm just gonna look up um steven seagal for a second here because like he had a moment where he was a big fucking deal right like his movies were really clicking up top you got above the law hard to kill marked for death out for justice they also like the same fucking title they all mean the same thing Um, he's basically the same character in every single one of them so he's in no less than five movies in three years, basically. Like he's just, and and I, he is a little bit like before we had the boom of straight to video, right? Where you had like straight to video action stars. He was a guy that for reasons that still kind of surprised me, got people to theaters, right? Like these movies were hits. Um, so he does those movies. Then he does Under Siege in 92. Then in 94, his magnum opus on the deadly ground comes out. That's the movie that he wrote, directed and starred in Mm. Um, his only directorial effort. Um, And then he follows that up with under siege Two: dark territory. Then he does executive decision, which he dies up top, right? He dies early in that film 
right? If I remember correctly, I it's been a it's been a very long. That's time. the Kurt Russell movie, and I'm pretty sure that he dies in like the first reel of that film, and then he's in the Glimmer Man, and then we're kind of now then we're done. <laughs> I mean, then then it's then it's just direct to video, and and there is let me tell you no shortage of direct-to-video movies oh, from Steven Seagal. <laughs> yes. Every every once in a while, I feel like every few years, somehow a clip of one of those movies makes mm-hmm. the rounds. And, I mean, talk about... You think he's standing still in this movie? At this point now, it's like... it's like I think they have to speed up the footage to just make it look like it's anything. <laughs> it feels like... If... Yes, Emily? It feels like it's time for Steven Seagal to like be rediscovered by Wes Anderson. I think it's time. Oh my God. I, I just, I do need to read some of these titles out because they're fucking incredible. Okay. So once we get to just direct to video stuff, belly of the beast out for a kill out of reach into the sun today, you die. <laughs> um, mercenary for justice, shadow man, attack force, attack force. Like what? The- uh you know i I think i know what it means it means we're gonna (laughs) fight and we're a bunch of us it's just it's they're just they're really 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 good titles i haven't seen yeah they're like ai generated titles they they are he has in 2016 i'm seven direct-to-video movies came out from him in 2016 (laughs) so (laughs) Have either of you seen the uh, reality series Steven Seagal Lawman? Because it is, no. in my time as a TV critic, it is truly one of the weirdest things I ever saw. He apparently was like a, a d- deputy for some Louisiana police department, sure. and they made a cop-style show about him solving crime, mm-hmm. and it's so funny. I mean, it's so funny. That sounds incredible. That sounds great. I mean, listen, I it needs to be said for what it's worth. Uh, I do not agree with Steven Seagal's political beliefs. Good uh, call. I was, I was gonna, I'm also going to second that. I think he he has really gone off. Um, I think he's, uh, I think, yeah. Let's just say Steven Seagal, I, no good politically. Yeah. I heartily encourage everyone to read Steven Seagal's Wikipedia page because you will learn that he has morphed into the Tommy Lee Jones character from this movie. And it also has what I can only describe as a standalone episode about his wife. It just has like a paragraph in the middle. that's like, here's all his wife's qualifications and her life story. And I'm like, why is this here? Oh, it's like the penultimate episode of a 13 episode season. We just had it's to catch so up with her. It's it's like uh Fleischman is in trouble. It's the Claire Danes episode. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I mean, listen, I think there are a lot of, if you do a little bit of research into this film and into Steven Seagal, you're going to learn some bad stuff about this guy. Um, you know, apparently was a real piece of shit on the set of this film, came out one of the actors who was actually, is actually a veteran, and that actor did not take kindly to it. Um, there, You know, there's all sorts of casting couch fiascos from him that you can imagine. Not a great guy not writing for Steven Seagal as a human being. Um, But it is interesting. This does feel kind of like peak of his powers, right? Like this is the moment when he's probably at his most famous, his most influential and can kind of get away with doing shit. And unfortunately he does. A couple things that are interesting about the production of this film. Um, (laughs) The director said, 
most people are surprised that the film is as as sophisticated as it is. It appeals to people who have a point of view about nuclear weapons, and the story thrusts you into an incredible situation that is not (laughs) (laughs) far-fetched. It feels grounded, like Steven Seagal. Yes, it's grounded. Uh, I I don't know that a word I would choose to describe it as sophisticated, um, but, you know, do you have thoughts, Emily? I did rethink my thoughts on nuclear war watching this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that the director talks a lot about how all of the sequences with the government officials around the table is his nod to Dr. Strange. (laughs) I mean, it's reading that way and that it's surreal and absurd. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it does make me think if Dr. Strangelove was a touchstone for this film, then maybe this film is kind of kookier than I'm giving it credit for. Like maybe the Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones performances in concert with this stuff that's going on in the government, like maybe the tonal issue, and I put that in quotation marks, is actually Steven Seagal because he's so fucking straight that like... Because he, I mean, there's there's no, you're only getting one type of performance at Steven Seagal. Yes. That I kind of think what you were talking about, Emily, like if you had cast a Schwarzenegger in this film, for instance, who can get that winky sort of, you know, understanding of tonal dark comedy weirdness, maybe this movie like really kind of gets to a level that, that could have been pretty spectacular. Not that I'm hating on it, but I mean. I think I think one interesting thing about this movie in contrast to Die Hard is it is very much in that subgenre of movies about people on a boat or a submarine and they all like have to come together to do a thing where it's like very much about the ensemble of crewmen. Mm-hmm. It's usually a ship, you know, like it encompasses everything from like uh, Crimson Tide to Down Periscope and it's just sure. like that is such a interesting genre in and of itself to smash it up with Die Hard is a really smart idea. And then to smash it up with Dr. Strangelove is slightly more baffling idea, but like, you could <laughs> like there, you could see something there without yes, the lead yes. actor. hundred percent. I, you know, so this, so apparently the film's box office success played into them delaying production on the third Die Hard film, which originally was born out of a spectrum called Troubleshooter, which was going to be a cruise ship taken over by terrorists. So that was what the third Die Hard was supposed to be. And then ultimately, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which, if I'm not mistaken, was originally a lethal weapon script that was then turned into a Die Hard script, which kind of makes sense when you think of the whole, you know, uh, Bruce Willis, Sam Jackson kind of pairing. But this is all just a long way of saying that the success of this film feels like a bunch of other boat movies got put on hold because they were like, well, we can't do that. Under Siege did the boat thing, which I think is kind of funny. Um, yeah. And like, I mean, this was like you said, this was a fucking hit. A huge hit. Like my hundred- uncle, like my uncles, right? This is like an mm-hmm. uncle ass movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yes. big time. I feel like they were going back to the theater, man. Like, you know, like this, this was, this was like a movie made for someone to smoke a cigar to. This, this is the, this is the, the this is the avatar, the way of water for uncles in their fifties. <laughs> Can I just say, this is an uncle ass movie should have been on the poster. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But I I do think that you can't put a movie like this under a microscope. So, and I don't think that's what we're doing, but I do think that like 
I don't really understand what's going on with the Erica Aliniak character, the Jordan Tate character. So she's, she's this um, playboy playmate who is brought onto the boat to pop out of a cake at the surprise birthday party of the captain. I'm like, okay, I understand that just on a pure, like sure. Fine. Um, But the fact that she's brought on a, helicopter with the terrorists is a little bit more flummoxing and then she basically becomes sort of the sidekick to steven seagal's character uh which is a little bit bizarre i and he's not nice to her he's he's (laughs) terrible to her i love that like there's this huge battle. A whole bunch of people die. She's right. in the cake the whole time. The whole time. She's, been, she's been drugged, apparently. Like, there's a lo- throwaway line about that. Yeah. But then the time comes. She pops out of that cake. Here's the thing. She's here she to work. She is here to do a job. And she is going to do that job, even if she's uh, playing to a room full of no one. And I really <laughs> respect that. As a working <laughs> professional woman myself, I respect her. I, I did respect the commitment to the bit for sure. Um, if I popped out of a cake, for instance, and saw that I was not just in a empty room, but actually in a room filled with bodies, I probably wouldn't, you know, take off my shirt and start gyrating as though it was just everything's on the up and up. Phil, I you guess her eyes the were birthday closed. Present I got you. You ruined oh, the witches that I was going to put you in a cake and put you in a room with dead bodies. Like. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> You don't know what it's like in there, okay? I don't know what it's, it's like. It's hard to hear, you know, it's dark Breathe. in there. Yeah, I mean, right? You know, take too many pills, you don't have a lot of oxygen in your system. I mean, you it's don't know just, what's happening. It gets really sweaty, to 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 quote blank check, in terms of like... In the cake, yeah. It, it gets sweaty in the cake, but also you get the impression that it feels, as, as they say in writing terms, like a widow, a thing that kind of stayed from the first draft that just kind of continued to stay in the script long after it should have been cut from the script. And in the early draft, this Jordan Tate character was apparently a bloodthirsty, crazy person who was like into killing people and was actually like in cahoots with the terrorists. Hot. (laughs) So, and, and slut makes slightly more sense. Whereas once she becomes not part of the bad guy crew. She is a vestige of nothing. She just doesn't belong in the movie anymore. There's this thing on Wikipedia, and obviously it's Wikipedia, so I don't know how true it is, but like Steven mm-hmm. Seagal, like that one of the reasons he didn't want to sign on to the movie was he thought she was not a very good character. And he was like, we got to develop this script until she's a good character. And like, and then that they makes did? no sense. Like they kept trying to refine her character journey and they came up with gets drugged and stuck in a cake and then gets abused by a man for a whole movie. And then as a woman, falls that's what I like to see. Yeah. That kiss at the end was gross. I mean, I, I it, and apparently there was like a, Gary Busey has a quote that I read, uh, described Steven Seagal as quote unquote, very insecure. He also said he kept pushing to add a sex scene with Erica Lineage's character. So he could really get quote unquote down and dirty with the actress. Not oh. okay. Not okay. So all of this is to say uh, that I just think that it felt to me as though they were like, 
we can't just have a sausage party on this boat. We got to get a hot girl on there somehow. And they figured that this was the best way to shoehorn that in. And I don't necessarily have, obviously don't have a problem with having a female character, but she's so like unmotivated, unempowered. She's just kind of there. I just didn't really get it, but it is what it is. Um, it's how else are you, you've got to appeal to America's uncles, you know, they get in the door true. for Seagal and then yeah, yeah. you've got to keep them around with the hot girl. So right. I agree. I, I mean, so I, I want to talk for a second about the, the top of this film. Um, so it's like, I think it's the same score and the same font from the fugitive, by the way, it feels very similar. Um, the score very much. So the, the actor that plays the captain, can we just talk about him for a second? Because is he someone's friend or something? Because he is a truly bad actor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's kind of hard like, to not to. He feels like he's in a naked gun movie. Like he doesn't feel like he's, <laughs> he doesn't feel like he's Do in you, this movie. Did you ever watch that um, uh, Adult Swim show, Sea Lab 2021? He's just like the captain in that, literally. Emily, that is perfect. That is a perfect call, 100%. He really feels, uh, I mean, he's great. He gets killed pretty quickly, um, but he's pretty great. He kind of, it's, so the first scene's a little bit bizarre, but basically he's talking to Gary Busey's character. Gary Busey clearly is not happy being like the number two on the boat to this captain. And then, Casey Ryback, who is the chef slash Navy SEAL, walks into this scene and there's sort of this like, he gives him orders to to make this meal for his birthday. It's all very odd. It's so confusing and convoluted and, and <laughs> doesn't need to be. It doesn't. It just doesn't. But I, I mean, I'd almost be better off with with Casey not knowing the captain, like this is the thing about Die Hard that's so great about Die Hard, right? Is that John McClane doesn't know anybody. He's a fish out of water. He does. He's a New York cop in Los Angeles, so he doesn't have any affiliation to anybody. I don't know why we needed Casey to know the captain. It feels kind of pointless to me, but it is what it is. Um, but then, like, then uh, um, Gary Busey goes down to the kitchen and spits in his bouillabaisse and like starts a basically a fight with steven seagal and puts him in the meat locker in the meat right. fridge right where to emily's point about reducing uh steven seagal's screen time they literally fridge him <laughs> for like 20 minutes to a half an hour <laughs> meanwhile we're watching grown-ass men worrying about a birthday party like they were like on the PTA or something like it's so uh, it's so weird. It's just so weird. Like it's like the captain's birthday. Right. And like, you know, and this is how we're learning about the playmate model is coming and they're, they're going to have this secret helicopter come in with the musicians and the caterers Um, and and a band. Right. And a band. Um, Can I just say how much I love, that Tommy Lee Jones actually performs in the band before taking over the ship. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've rehearsed. 
they rehearsed they, as a band. Like not only did they rehearse the you know the robbery or you know of the ship. Yes, they yes. rehearsed songs. Songs. Okay, like. You know, like one of them had to learn drums, one of them had to learn bass. Tommy, Sings. he picks up the harmonica, but he doesn't really sing. He he's like kind of more the hype man yeah. slash harmonica player. Oh man! And it's and great. of course the music you said rock. It's actually blues rock. Another like mm, uncle, ah, super, you know, super just, uncle shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then Tommy Lee Jones asks for the most senior uh, person in the room to raise their hand so he can shoot him in the head. So he does that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's when we realize they're taking over the ship. They put all of the various seamen into the the belly of the ship. They lock them all away. Um, And then they kind of like take over, right? Like a la, you know, Hans Gruber does in in Die Hard. Um, They then proceed to uh, eat a bunch of raw meat together. <laughs> <laughs> They're hungry. And what, what do men, what do real men do? They throw cold or at least room temperature meat at each other. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's ridiculous at one point basically tommy lee jones like can we get some food and then we cut to the next scene and there's just a slab of meat and him sawing away at it with a knife and tossing meat scraps to his men i just anyway it's ridiculous it's fantastic (laughs) uh (laughs) it's 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 absurd it Uh, it, it doesn't look like anyone would enjoy that no they look like wild animals yeah also, just like, I don't know about you guys, but just a lot of just manhandling meat. I just I don't, it just feels very unsanitary. And certainly in a post-COVID world, I would not be eating that meat. Uh, just not cool. Um, in a pre-COVID so, world, you would have eaten some raw meat that Tommy Lee Jones threw at you, just to be clear. I, I, I mean, might. you don't want to disappoint him. Come on. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint Stranix. Uh, so at this point, we, I literally wrote in my notes, what exactly is Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Busey's endgame? And thankfully, they knew that I was asking that question at this point, because that's exactly when they barf up that their plan is to uh, seize control of the ship's weapon systems, 
shoot down a jet sent to investigate and plan on covering their escape by using missiles to obliterate tracking systems in Pearl Harbor and then sell the ship's tomahawks by unloading them onto a submarine he previously stole from North Korea as revenge for the CIA trying to assassinate him. I yeah, that's, like, that all checks out. That's what I happens like in this. If you're going to attack the American Navy, I might pick a place other than Pearl Harbor. I feel like they kind of have like their guard up there. Like they probably have security the nose, systems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I... <laughs> so that happens. Um, and then they contact the Pentagon. They make these crazy demands. The Pentagon learns that Casey's there and they're like, thank God we've got one guy who can take over this entire ship. Um, I, I just, I just don't even really know what to make of their plan, but then you've got Jordan in a, I guess what you would describe as a tactical outfit where she's like in this fully black sort of Navy seal outfit with the baseball cap turned backwards and her hair coming out of the, the hole at the back of the baseball cap. And it's just sort of like, now I'm supposed to believe that she's, you know, ready to kick ass. It just feels so male gazy. It's just, it's, it's pretty gross. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately the camera is like, kind of like, like lingering on her throughout the movie in really gross ways. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. At least they covered her up. Correct. Yes. She's really, yes. Other than obviously when she pops out of the cake, for the most part, she stays completely clothed. And and that, that is something there are some really good kills in this movie. And I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this, Ben. I think my favorite is one that's unbelievably telegraphed, but I loved it is when there's this metal beam dangling above this guy with a sharpened point at the end of it and a rope just perfectly right next to Steven Seagal. So he lets it go. And this, this entire beam comes down and just goes through the guy. And it's, it's a good kill. It is a good kill. Um, Well, we learn like, Mm. I mean, like, so Steven Seagal barely talks in this movie. Everyone Correct. else, the amount of exposition that's being delivered in this movie, it's like they're making up for basically him mostly just saying nothing and just sort of doing, you know, either action moves or just sort of looking like he's doing something because mm-hmm. he's like furrowing his brow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. It, it's so good. Um, but he like. I what I wanted to say though is he we learn about him because everyone is like digging up files telling us all about like how he is this navy seal and what we learn is that he's an explosions expert correct correct and then we get to see him in action and I have to say this is some macgyvery kind of stuff that he's pulling yeah. it's yeah. kind of good it's kind of great it's great it's yeah. great. I love that shit. I love like, that like absolutely. he's like, I found some gum and a paper clip and I'm gonna blow up a helicopter. I'm like, <laughs> fuck yeah, you are. He cuts I, I open like agree. paint thinner. Um, you know, he's rigging up grenades in interesting yes. ways because he knows yes. how to like basically work the ship to his advantage. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I mean I think all that stuff's great. 
I, I think that I just, it, it needs just to rewind very briefly. Uh, the way he escapes from the meat locker yes. is by hiding in the, uh, in the air shaft and then flipping down the lid of the air shaft, which I, I got to be honest with you, did not seem all that heavy, that knocks the guy back. And then he's able to kind of swing out of there. It's, it's the low fineness of the way that he beats people that I do find kind of amazing. Cause it's like, to your point, it's, a grenade that's attached to a doorknob or it's, you know, paint thinner turned into a bomb uh, or it's, you know, as we'll mention uh, Tommy Lee Jones, just straight up stabbing him in the head and just putting him into a computer screen. Like it's all just, uh, it just feels very nineties in, in the best possible way. And early nineties, this is the thing too, where like, I do feel like the fugitive is sort of a fulcrum point from when action movies become less bloody, uh, le- you know what I mean? Like the, the R-rated action movie really kind of goes the way of the Dodo after the early 90s because there's just so much more money in ma- made in these four-quadrant action movies rather than having just rated R ones. Um, yeah. And I think that's also part of the reason why Steven Seagal kind of disappears as well because like he's just not a guy that anyone wants to see not making you know people die in really gruesome ways. <laughs> he should have had his family film arc. He should have done his kindergarten yeah. cop or his, or you his know, pacifier. the tooth fairy. Yeah. I mean, so he, I, it would work for his type. I mean, because he's so sincere, mm-hmm. he's so self-serious that like putting him in, in like in a kindergarten cop-esque type of situation, I mean, would be work. funny, but he has no sense of humor. No. And like, I could guarantee, I just know it. Right. You just know it about yep. him. He could never laugh at himself. I mean, look at what he's doing now to himself, like what he's putting out into the world. It's like madness. Yeah. Yes. I, I do think, though, I, and I was thinking this as I was watching this film, and maybe this is unfair. And I certainly know that, that Griffin would had take issue with this. But is is Vin Diesel this generation Steven Seagal? Ooh, wow. No. <laughs> okay, well, good talk. Vin, Vin Diesel can act. He's done stuff where he's shown he can act. He 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 kind of often chooses not to. And I think that we in America as a culture have trouble mm-hmm. conceiving of big muscly guys as like doing anything other than beating people up. And I think that mm-hmm. he kind of got shoehorned into that. But like you think Vin Diesel did. Yeah, he's okay. done stuff where he's can, you know, he's acted and he's been given a good performance. I think once he gets out of the fast and the furious world, like he, he might be someone who does interesting work with, I don't with, just, just um, to be clear. Cause I don't want, you know, people losing their minds on Twitter. If they, if they hear this, it's not to say that I don't think that Vin Diesel is a, a better actor and has made better movies than Steven Seagal. Um, nor do I obviously clump uh, Vin Diesel in with the fucking MAGA Q nonsense that Steven Seagal is dealing with right now. It's more about what you were saying, Ben, of this, like, I don't really get the impression that Vin Diesel can laugh at himself. Um, millions of dollars are spent on films that he's in CG removing various body weight from Vin Diesel. Um, it, it's it, there does seem to be a little bit of this, like Vin Diesel has become less and less. There's less and less movement from Vin Diesel when he's fighting in the films, as we've seen as, as things progress, it just feels like there is a physical component similar between these two guys that I sort of couldn't help but notice. Yeah, I guess I, I, I mean, like we've, 
you know, I'm not a, like you've said, Griffin, the co-host blank check. He's a huge fan of the fast and furious franchise. I'm not that much of a fan really. I like them fine, but yes, throughout the films, Vin has kind of like definitely like he's moving around a little bit less, right? The action scenes aren't, um, you know, they're similar. I, I get what you're saying. Like, I, I, yeah. I can see that similarity. But to yeah. your question, though, who is today's yeah. Steven Seagal? Because, like, yeah. what I feel like is is unique about Seagal, and this isn't something I think you find very often, is, like, the martial arts to actor pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, I, I'm yeah. like, who is, like, a standout star right, right now? Because, like... I can think of wrestlers, well, that's but I feel thing. like that's yeah. its own sort of its own. Uh, it track. is its own thing for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think, and it, it, speaking of the wrestler thing and what you were saying, Emily, I do think that someone like a Dave Bautista is really trying to get out of that box. Um, we'll see how successful he is at doing so, but I do think that he's capable of it. Less so the rock who just doesn't seem all interested. In I that do. Stuff. I do kind of think the rock is like the peak of the Seagal approach, which is yeah. yes. he yes. trained in this very specific physical form. He came up into the movies and found his niche. And then he just stayed in that niche. And he's like one of the biggest stars in the world. And like, such a boring persona you know as opposed to a Seagal who um I mean Seagal's also a boring persona I don't know why I said as opposed to but like yeah they're they're both kind of they found their niche and Seagal fell out of that niche and it feels like The Rock is in a place where people are kind of like well do you got anything else and he has a sitcom on NBC so that that's that's that yeah I mean I think listen I think we could do three hours on the rock and and the various choices that he's made and and why they are not particularly interesting and surprisingly safe um which is you know say what you will about Steven Seagal um I, I do think that he took some swings um and at the time anyway that what would be considered a swing um and I do feel like the rock is just sort of like doing what he thinks everyone wants him to do and in the process is doing very little interesting things but I want I, I want yeah. The Rock to make an environmentalist action film that he writes and directs. That's like, what I'm I think, yeah. yeah, he should yeah. do it. He should just be like, the climate crisis is real, and I'm going to blow up some oil refineries in my next movie. Well, I, you know, it's interesting because I feel like he had a film years ago that he was trying to get made about the, and forgive me if this is the 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 inaccurate way of putting this, but about sort of like Hawaiian Kingdom, the history of of all of that stuff. And Zemeckis was going to direct it. And it was going to be this like giant, big sort of historical epic with the rock at the center of it. That actually sounds interesting to me. I mean, if he, if he, if he wanted to do something like that, that actually speaks to his background, it speaks to the things that he, I'm like, that sounds cool. Um, I don't need to see Black Adam. Like that to me is just sort of like every time I saw that trailer and I saw that trailer so many goddamn times, I was just like, I want nothing to do with this. So. I also but, didn't yeah. see Black Adam, but I feel like yeah. we're in the minority because that was a huge movie. Everyone saw it that. It was a big movie, but it actually didn't do as well as you would think. It actually, like, because it cost. <laughs> I saw the numbers, okay? They say <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> Are you, do you work for DC? Do you work for Warner Brothers? Is that what this is about? I, I mean, I, this is all just a, a long way of saying that I do wonder if 
and again, like Steven Seagal has no range. I think we can all safely say that like range is not, you know, but I do wonder like, um, if there could have been a moment for him where Hollywood really figured out what to do with him. Cause I feel like they kind of gave up and maybe that was for the best, but it's just an interesting thing. Cause this movie is oddly loved by critics. It made a hundred and over $150 million in 92. That's basically like three or $400 million today. Like that's a crazy amount of money for a movie that, that makes very little sense um, <laughs> is filled with a hodgepodge of possibly offensive characters and stars a guy who the studio basically didn't really want in it that much. Like it's just, it's, it's amazing to me that it worked as well as it did. Um, the other, so there's, there's, <laughs> there's another couple kills that I want to refer to. There's a moment where he tears a man's throat out. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Look, it's it's actually sick. Pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, it's sick. I mean, the machine room fight. The machine room is fight. so Incredible. fucked up. It's, it's that one's like because yeah. when he's good is when yes. he's fighting, and there's no guns because no guns. like w- when there's guns, he has to disarm them and yeah. then kind of just break their wrists and then they just pass yeah. out. I guess. Yeah. But like that, that's a solid. I mean, he puts one of the guys like into a bandsaw, like yeah. his shoulder, like, and it's like really, it's really it's visceral. Oof. That, I mean, that to your point, I think that that is when Steven Seagal is at his best, when you can give him a bunch of things that he can turn into weapons. Yeah. And it, it has kind of that MacGyvery, if he was a sociopath sort of thing, where like, <laughs> how can I turn these, these various instruments into weapons? Uh, which, which I think is great. Um, the the thing about the tearing of the guy's throat out is that it made me think about the fucking meat from earlier. Cause like he holds mm. onto the meat and he like throws it away. Like he literally tears the guy's throat out of his neck. It's fucking great uh, and disgusting. Um, then obviously I feel like we got to talk for a second about um, the big fight between Tommy Lee Jones and, and Steven Seagal at the end of this film. Um, it really felt like two old men slapping each other. Like there's a lot of this, a lot of hand mo- movements that are just kind of like slapping each other away. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have knives. So there's a lot of like, you know, they keep nicking at each other with knives. Well, so we should say Steven Seagal, he practices a keto. Mm-hmm. The fundamentals of keto mm-hmm. is it's sort of like if you the yin and the yang, right? Uh-huh. So the idea is that if someone comes at you, you use their energy against them, sort of back at them. And so what you do is if a guy has a knife and he slaps you, you slap him back. Do you see what I'm saying? That's how this works. Sure, sure. Okay. Too. So, the, the, you know, what you're seeing on screen makes perfect sense when right. you think about that uh, with the context of, you know, his training and, and of keto. Right. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. shadow fighting, right? Like it's that idea yeah. of like what they do, you counteract with a similar movement. You use their momentum against them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. I mean, I I, <laughs> I, I trust you implicitly. I, I mean, it is... I don't know that it's the most dynamic no. fighting style. Nope. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's... Uh, no, please, Emily. 
cinematically, it leaves a lot to be desired. It feels like kind of a dead end for the American cinema that we quickly wandered out of. People like to see kicks too. They like to, yeah. they like, the, <laughs> they like to see, you know, yeah. because the thing about knife fighting too, is that they are moving quite quickly. So you're not really actually able to register what they're doing, which is again, part of Steven Seagal's trick, which is like, it seems like he's doing something on the screen. So you have to sort of buy that. He's like yep. credible. Right, because he's doing something in a movie. It's it's funny because I was before uh, we hopped on here. I weirdly caught a couple minutes of uh, the Aviator, and in the Aviators, there's that that moment when uh, Howard Hughes is filming his big dogfight scene in the sky. But because it's a clear sky, there's no frame of reference, so you can't actually tell the speed, how fast these planes are actually moving, because there's no clouds behind them. So you're really just that the speed is being lost. And I would argue a similar situation is happening here too, where you're just sort of like, I can't actually really feel the velocity of Steven Seagal. It's like, basically, if you take your hand and you wave it in front of your face a bunch, that's what they're doing. It's it's like, (laughs) it just doesn't make any sense. So they do that for a couple minutes. They throw each other into some walls. um, And then... (laughs) <laughs> and then basically they kind of um they, they sort of pretzel each other's arms with these knives and then steven seagal bites tommy lee jones's knife out of his hand mm-hmm. and then quickly stabs him in the top of his head with his own knife there is a quick shot of an obvious dummy of tommy lee jones's head as he stabs the the knife into it. Um, that is amazing. It's very brief for obvious reasons, but I freeze framed it because I needed to see it in all of its glory. And it it doesn't even like the skin coloration's all off. Oh, it's gray. No, it's, it's a, it looks like gray. it looks like a corpse. It looks like it just a all corpse. of a sudden they just have a corpse. They just, <laughs> and he just stabs it. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I loved it. Uh, and then he pushes his head. The movies. <laughs> yeah. Movie magic. Yeah. And then he throws his head into a computer screen. And he doesn't even, I was waiting for like some sort of a, like, you know, post dead guy action movie line. And there really wasn't that, which I was kind of bummed no. about. Yeah. He doesn't have lines in this movie really at all, which is smart because he would, he would be terrible at it. So they just give him nothing and sort of instead he's just like, yeah, take that, man. Like that's it. You know, like like Ar- Ar- Arnold would have been like, oh, now you have to get offline. And like, yeah, yeah. but Seagal would just be like, I just put a knife in your head. And they wisely like <laughs> avoid that. Yeah, he would just say what he did. He would just say what he sees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Steven Seagal would be really bad at, at improv. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. He would be. You imagine uh, him playing, and then he would be the guy who would just always end a scene by shooting his scene partner. <laughs> It'd be like you're dead now. <laughs> you're dead. I win. Yeah, it would. Uh, oh. Yes, Emily. One thing I think is interesting about this is we are perpetually have these conversations in Hollywood about like gun violence 
and does film contribute to it? Is there a way to not do stories with shooting, especially sure. with some of the like um, accidents that have happened on set? And like, this is a film where there's like minimal use of guns because Seagal's whole persona is like, he's beating you with his fists and his, his whatever. And like, yeah, there's the threat from it is you really have to work to get it there. And when you have an actor like Steven Seagal, it's difficult, but like, you know, you can look at like a Batman movie and that's operating by some of the same principles. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean, I, I do listen. I, I don't, how can I put this? I don't think that Steven Seagal is anti-guns, just to be clear. Uh, I, I, that, that's not the impression that I get from Steven Seagal. Um, so, but that being said, I can't help but think of, to your point, Emily, you know, uh, Neo not using guns in the last Matrix movie. Um, and, you know, I mean, a, a concerted effort, it seems anyway, from the powers that be to sort of lessen the gunplay that existed in, in, that, in that film. Um, which I appreciated. You know, I think that the flip side to that, of course, is if you look at like the John Wick films, that's just like gun porn. So like, I don't know. It is kind of what it is. But um, the film, uh, (laughs) the remaining crew members are freed from the ship. And then there's sort of this missile moment that Emily referred to where like these missiles are heading towards Hawaii and they have to dismantle them. um, And uh, they do. Uh, and there's a, a big sort of joyous moment in uh, in the Pentagon. Uh, and then there's a funeral ceremony for the captain at the end of the ship at the end and, and uh, Ryback salutes and, and in full uh, full dress uniform. It's a it's it's a choice. Um, I, I want to just take a quick second to talk about Tommy Lee Jones just from sort of 30,000 feet, because I think, I mean, Ben, you're obviously on a first name basis with him. You guys are close. Yeah. Thomas Lee. Thomas uh, Lee. Mm-hmm. Thomas Lee. Um, do you have a favorite Tommy Lee Jones performance? Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. I may have many. I feel like... Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's see. Uh, Let me I mean, just, I mean, just a few more. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, what comes to mind, because you mentioned it, is his, like, unhinged... Two-faced uh, performance. Two-faced performance. <laughs> like, that's kind of fun. It is fun. He um, seemed... Apparently, he was miserable making that film because Jim Carrey was just, you know, aping for the camera the whole time, and he hated it, but... You know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see, though. Yeah. Um, how about while I'm looking this up? Yes, sure, sure, sure. Uh, well, okay, of course. Yeah, no go, Country yeah. for Old Men. Yes. Right? He's great. Yes. Men in Black. Yes. Um, and Natural Born Killers. He's great in Natural Born Killers. You know, it's interesting. He has sort of this moment in the 90s when he's really kind of crushing it, right? He's... He's in The Client, which is a big hit. He's in Double Jeopardy in 99 as well, um, which is a big movie. Um, but JFK is a movie that like everyone thought he should have won the Oscar for, which is shockingly <laughs> came before this film. Uh, that comes out in 91, if I'm not mistaken, um, or 90. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that was sort of around forever, but didn't get famous until he was like in his 50s, basically. So we, we, the Tommy Lee Jones we know is a guy who's just sort of like a grump and he's like in his 50s. Um, and, but he's great in Men in Black. He's great in JFK. Um, this feels a little bit like he's kind of off the reservation a little bit, but he's having fun. 
just playing this sort of conspiratorial character. Um, Emily, do you have any uh, big Tommy Lee Jones performances that speak to you? I, I think he won the Oscar for the right film. I think The Fugitive. I think he's so good in The Fugitive. He is great. My favorite is probably No Country. I feel like that's just a wonderful kind of mournful performance. But like he's so good in The Fugitive. And also, of course, he's great in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's He is definitely doing something here. And I feel like so is Gary Busey. I think that those two understand what movie they're in. Like I, and I respect that. Um, And they're just kind of chewing the scenery and having a great time. Um, Emily, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask your thoughts on um, the Gary Busey drag sequence of this film. Do you have thoughts on that by any chance? I mean, do you want to return to our recurring segment, um, queer phobia in nineties cinema? Um, that, Which that unfortunately one. probably is happening quite often. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna hit it a few times here. Um yeah. on a scale There's of one in uh, particular z- being zero to ten. Uh, I'd say this movie is like a seven in terms mm. of queer phobia, and it's literally just Gary Busey in the first <laughs> 20 minutes where he uses an F slur just casually. He does. He does. And then he he dresses up as as a woman for comedic effect. And like, eh, you know, um, it's it like I don't I didn't sit there and like, it didn't make me like super like angry or anything. Sure, sure, I just sure. was like, it's what lazy. is this? What is even happening yeah. here? <laughs> you know, yeah. he leans into it in like a really like, uh, in a way that reminds you that in the, in the early nineties, like as opposed to like some of the 99 films where it mm-hmm. felt like people at least sort of had an idea that gays and lesbians existed. Correct. In the early 90s, this stuff like is just just garden variety, like, ha, 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 look at those weirdos. And yeah. um, Gary Busey's leaning into that. But like, you know, on the other hand, it's um, uh, completely fucking ridiculous. So it's hard to take too seriously. Yeah, it's I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I When it happened, I I rolled my eyes and I was like, this just feels like a 92 thing. You know, like just a a lazy, stupid joke that they would do in the early 90s. But then I also was just like, it wouldn't have shocked me if uh, it wasn't even in the script. (laughs) Like if Gary Busey was just like, you know, it would be funny guys if I just showed up dressed up like like a woman. I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. It's weird. Yes. Yes, Ben. So but here's the thing that's even more perplexing. Yeah. Gary Busey's character, the whole problem he has is that no one likes him. Correct. Right. Yes. And yet no one respects him. No one, uh, you know, treats him the way that he thinks he should be treated. Correct. And then he thinks that like this sort of uh, part of the birthday celebration is going to win people over. Right. By making this big joke. And it's not funny. And none of it. It's just like it's it's just like, what is this? It makes no (laughs) sense. Uh huh. I, I don't disagree with you. It's it's counterintuitive. It's dumb. It's obviously offensive, but it also just feels like what was, why did we do this? I mean, his character, I would actually argue. I mean, I don't know that anyone has an arc in this movie because they kind of removed those parts. It seems there's, there, there's, yeah. there's the potential that like uh, Casey and Stranix could have actually had like, 
parallel arcs if you know they left their backstory in there we could actually understand like where we are starting from and where we're going to but Gary Busey in particular to your point it's like if you're looking for the respect of your of your peers uh this is not the way to go about it no part of this is the way to go about it well doesn't he like then start immediately killing them that also Correct. feels like a bad way to gain the respect of your it's peers. Bad. just yeah. like yeah. i'm saying that again as someone who doesn't understand masculine ways. So maybe, maybe sure. I'm wrong. But. I mean, who knows, really? It, it, anything's possible. Uh, I, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a strange choice that I don't completely understand uh, why he, he does the things that he does, but he does them. And, and that's, and that's, that's, that's that. I, and it, the it, mercenaries yeah. don't like him either. No yeah, one no likes one him. Likes him. <laughs> no one likes him i really kind of love it though i love how much he's disliked even like the in the sub when they shoot down the sub mm-hmm. it's like the the guy the captain of the sub looks and like you fucking idiot <laughs> i really wish that when he was running around in a like not just women's clothing but like an over-the-top like like uh overweight woman like bat suit kind of thing which somehow he had on this ship yeah. um i really wish that tommy lee jones had just turned to him and had been like you sir are gauche and like that could you know that would have given this movie so many more points in my eyes it really it really would have I, I yeah i don't know i <laughs> i, I have a good that... tommy lee jones i have a good steven seagal which is really you've got a they're both really bad they're both tremendous performances uh do you ben um how do you feel in the comparison now, now that you actually can compare under siege to under siege two, where, where well, I know that your heart will always probably be in dark territory, but I yeah. do wonder how does, do you feel, you know, as though two is stronger now with the backstory of one? I think what, what's evolved for me yeah. is the universe. Mm-hmm of under siege because the logic of these, like of these mercenaries, these really niche skills that I feel like, when are you doing this? Like, otherwise, how are you working like enough to pay the bills? Uh Uh Um, like I love the, 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 just, um, Comparing the, the 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 groups of mercenaries and the character actors that we great sure. and, uh, get and the really terrible like male male pattern one? baldness that we're witnessing in like both of these oh, movies, um, like I love to see kind of like that what that was successful in the first one right successful with heavy quotations yep. 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 and what yep. they've carried over to the second movie that I grew up watching so often like it's it's nice to sort of just see how they were like okay what was what was working in that movie what should we do different and they really didn't do anything different in the second one nope. they pretty much just were like what if instead of ship it is train train what if instead of Erica Liniak it's Catherine Heigl um, yes. What if like it, it's 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 a really kind of one for one situation? Um, I did not know, and I don't know if you knew this, guys, um, but Matt Reeves wrote uh, Under Siege Two: Dark Territory. Wow! No, which, I did not know that. Which is uh, that's news to me. Um, uh, hats working, off to you, my good sir. Do you think working with Seagal gave him a lot of good ideas for when he worked on the Batman? Just like yeah, I now imagine. I know how to write a guy who kills mm-hmm. people with his hands. Yeah, correct. Could, could I pitch 
Under Siege three? Yes. What 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 mode of transportation? Drill truck. <laughs> Bebop and Rocksteady. Okay. Our friends, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they had a, sh- sure. they had a sure. vessel. It was a drill, like, a dr- I don't know, a drill truck. Yeah, drill it's truck. The best, yeah, it has, it's like a, best way it I can has just, like a drill in the front of it. drill. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, that's what I think, as far as mode of transportation, that's what we go for. What are they drilling for? Did you have you have you thought about that part or? Uh, well, let's say it's yeah, gold. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you absolutely could get an under siege reboot up for sure, and and they're you don't. The pro- they're working on it. They're in oh, the process God. of doing are so. They? I don't think Seagal's involved, but Good. yeah, they're that's, like that's trying to do it. a remake. But yes, they should do a like a sequel. Is what they should do. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or a prequel where we get to learn about all that backstory we didn't get to learn about with young Tommy Lee Jones. And but, but the thing with my pitch is yes. under is in the name. Right, 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 right. No, it's literally they're under. Right. That's, that's right. sort of what I'm going with that. And they're so, sieging something. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I listen, I love, I love a drill truck. Who doesn't obviously. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm in. Wherever I need to sign, just let me know. Okay. I I mean, <laughs> and I call dibs on that, by the way. To the yeah, no, no, for sure, there. for sure. Okay. Do you have you thought about what it what the sort of subtitle would be, like a la Dark mm. Territory, uh, Dark Tunnel, Dirt Tunnel, <laughs> Dirt Tunnel. Yep. Okay, that's a good punch up. Yep. I love that. Great. Yeah, no problem. I, I mean, <laughs> would watch. I do think though. That Under Siege 2, I enjoyed more than this one because it felt campier and sort of sillier, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Paul Reiser. Very funny in it, you know, like playing um, the bad guy. Yes. Uh, But like, yeah, I agree. It's campier. They know what this movie is. Totally. They do make the the rookie, rookie sequel mistake with Under Siege 2, which is they spent twice as much on it and made half as much. <laughs> so, so, you know, kind of bad math on the whole uh, sequel thing. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate. Um, do you think you guys would ever do uh, on Patreon the Under Siege uh, universe? As a I've as a franchise, it up. I've brought it up before. I think because yeah, so like, um, as far as like franchise, like commentary yeah. that we do sure. on our yeah. Patreon feed, like, I think we're usually trying to pick stuff that are three or more. Sometimes yeah. we'll do you know right. like a, a national treasure, sure, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. We did that yeah. recently, but yeah, I think um, it makes sense. Perhaps to come in the future but sure. those are sort of uh more rare no that us. that makes that makes absolute sense i feel like there are some franchises that i didn't even know were franchises recently just hearing about like all of these straight to video sequels to things that i just didn't even know existed but you guys aren't gonna do straight to video stuff because like that gets you're, you're gonna fall down a rabbit hole of like a bunch of real garbage <laughs> movies if you're not yes. careful but yes. but i i do vaguely remember hellraiser being on a previous March Madness, and those yes. are 
there's a lot of straight to videos there. There are a lot, but <laughs> I think we sure. could find we yeah. would have fun, and also especially the newer Hellraiser, sure, is pretty great. Yeah, so I, I liked it. Yeah, I liked the new one. Yeah, I think we could have fun with it. But yes, you're right. Yeah. It's like I think seven eight films in total it's, like it's like yeah it's nine i think in total like it's, it's oh, crazy God. there's so many and a lot there. of them are pretty bad yeah but um, but it, i mean it could be fun but yeah. i i yeah but um so at the end of our our episodes we we rate our films from zero to 99 in honor of our 99 podcast um neither of us had seen this none of us had seen this film previously um wh- where would you land on this from zero to 99 ben where do you where do you think you would land hmm well, let's talk about what it had going for it. Yeah, yeah, okay? please, yeah, yeah. It had explosions. It did. You know, scrappy explosions. Mm-hmm. It had some action. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, it had some great performances. Uh-huh. In that they were kind of bad, but fun. Yep, <laughs> it did. It I've had one of... I would say one of the biggest chains I've ever seen portrayed on the screen. Big chain. It's a Huge ship chain. chain, and I love chains. Yeah, that was uh, another a cool thing. Chain. We, oh my god, it was great. Yeah. It was like a human sized chain. It was. It was crazy. Chain. It was when they were dropping anchor, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that is yeah. that is true. <laughs> uh, something we didn't get to talk about, but I just feel like I need to Please, mention yeah. it. It had miss. We had missile goo in this movie. <laughs> they cut a missile open. And you don't get to we see did that have very a often. A lot of missile goo. We did. Yeah. 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 Um, I love the MacGyvery nature of it. Uh, so it has a lot of stuff working for it, you know? It yeah. But it is very silly. Okay. And so I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the 79. Wow. That's still pretty high up. There. That's, that's very high, I would say. Because. <laughs> Because if you're looking for something to watch yes. when you're feeling maybe a little sick or it's like a sort of rainy mm-hmm. afternoon, this is like the perfect thing to watch. With your uncle. <laughs> Uncles strongly <laughs> encouraged. I, you know, so <laughs> I was watching this film and inevitably I had to compare it to the second one, which I had a lot of fun with, surprisingly. So I, I did kind of came at it in the opposite order as, as did you, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did sort of, once I was kind of able to get on its wavelength is sort of, I think what you're talking about, right? Which is if you, if you can kind of, and I hate the whole turn your brain off and enjoy a film type thing, but this is one of those things where you're just like, if this was on on a rainy day on TNT, you'd watch this movie. And it's why I think this movie has that sort of legacy, if you will. Um, it does work in its own way. I don't know that I could go higher than 70 for this movie. I feel like even then I'm, I'm getting to a place where I, I feel like, you know, but then if I went 69, I feel like that's just wrong. So I'm going to say 70. Um, that's where I'm at. Emily, do you, do you have uh, uh, thoughts on this? I do. Um, for me, when they're doing the thing where he's working with those kind of like, like bad news bears, sailors who've never, this movie's got some juice, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. However, that's not nearly enough of the movie. Um, there's there's a really weak lead performance. I'm uh, going to give this... Who are you referring to? Uh, Mr. Mr. Steven Seagal. 
Um, I am going to give this a 66, which is just barely speeding, which feels right. Yeah, that feels right. I, I can't disagree with that. I think that that's appropriate. I do sort of, I, I'm curious, Ben, to hear your thoughts. Next week, we are covering uh, Scent of a Woman with uh, Rochelle Lefebvre. Have you ever seen Scent of a Woman, Ben? Hua. <laughs> there it is. There it is. What, what, do you have thoughts on Scent of a Woman? Do you, I, it's, I know it's a little bit of a, a, a tricky movie now in the sort of post-Me Too world. Such a Woman's a, yeah. a little, a well, little that, weird. That's but, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I have not seen it since mm-hmm. I was a kid. Sure, sure. And I remember not really, I had pretty bad ADHD, mm-hmm. undiagnosed. And so uh, my attention span for like a movie that is like even least like sure. a bit romantic, like that mm-hmm. movie, I'm pretty sure that I just disengaged with it. Right. So, even, even a even a spicy guy like Al Pacino just uh, that's the just... thing yeah like he I knew that this was the movie where he was like he said that line mm-hmm. and a he lot. yelled she's got a is this the where she's got a great no, ass that's heat. That's oh heat. that's heat okay yeah. so there you go but I, I think yeah. I don't think I really have like a strong feeling about it other than I remember it being something that I got exposed to and just didn't grab me. I, you know, it's interesting. I'm very curious to watch it again. I'm very curious to hear Emily's thoughts about it when we when we do our episode on it. Um, I, I think it's a I, I think it's a relic of its time, but I also think um, it's got some really interesting stuff in it. And I'd be curious to hear what you thought of it, Ben, because I do think that like I, that there's a I, I do think you know there there could be a little bit of uh, uh you might like it. You might like okay. where Pacino's sort of coming from. He is very, I mean, he's so dialed up to 11 in it. It's like, it's unfortunate that like, that's the movie he won his Oscar for. Cause it's just like, it's an almost cartoonish performance. Um, but like, you've got a young Philip Seymour Hoffman in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some really great supporting characters. Uh, it, it's, it's a good movie. Um, so you know, listen, it's it's got its flaws, but I think there's some interesting stuff in it. But more than anything, we're so thankful, Ben, that you were able to come on and talk about uh, Under Siege with us. I mean, well, truly. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was do a blast. You, do you have anything you want to plug again? Or yeah. Do you have, for the where can people time? find you if you want people to find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ben Hosley. Mm. Um, you can check out my clothing brand if you're interested at Congrat ulations.com that's y-o-u um i have a couple of slow christmas records um can people buy those records or no um they can actually no they're on Bandcamp uh as well uh and um they're available to stream or download there for free that's awesome yeah Uh, and they are awesome by the way these slow christmas albums are fantastic um, have you thought about uh, doing any other types of music, Ben? Have you have. thought about it? Yes, okay. Okay. I have. Um, okay. Like, there was an idea about doing sort of like standards, like oh, Frank Sinatra. Amazing. Sort of amazing. like, a, you know, songbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a work in progress. We'll see. But um the thing I do want to just like preview, um, you know, look like look in this space for down the line this year, 
for me is I'm launching my own podcast. It's going to be a sleep podcast. In what regard? Uh, Putting people to sleep or? Correct. It's a, it's a sleep companion podcast. Um, Okay. So, you know, we'll have something hopefully in the next few months about that. So more. Well, you'll let us know so we can, uh, we can link to that and and obviously spread, spread your, your dulcet tones. you had mentioned this on a on a recent blank check, and I told my wife about it, and she said, "Finally, I'll start listening to podcasts." So uh... <laughs> uh, it should also, uh, in terms of blank check, you guys uh, are currently about to head into a Danny Boyle miniseries. Yep, uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, I, I am too. It's going to be a good one. Lots of great, weird movies that I'm super excited for you guys to talk about. Absolutely. Um, and then on the Patreon, you're currently doing Koyanaskansi. <laughs> yes, mistaken. yes, we are. Um, <laughs> so that that's been. Uh, I mean, I'm, this is what I'll say. Um, <laughs> the second one is like you know interesting. Sure. The third, third one, yeah, is so bad it's bad. i would say one of the worst movies we've ever watched on the, on really? the show yes does it deviate from the previous two in terms of its structure or what makes it bad i'm just now i'm just genuinely curious i mean structure you know it's like <laughs> pretty <laughs> loose yeah, uh, it's i think is made like post directly post 911 so oh. it's got throughout it these really dated graphics that aren't even though interesting or fun to look at. Okay. It's just, it's, it's like a student film. It's so bad. I I mean, it's like excruciating, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting because like the first two are staples of the, I quote, quote unquote genre in terms of they really kind of broke the mold and they were, they're really kind of stunning art pieces is really kind of the only way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised that they dropped the ball so thoroughly on the third one. This is like watching a screen screensaver stitched together. Oh, it's cut then interspersed with just like really lo-fi, like newsreel footage. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, all I'm I can say to hear the episode though is if you want to hear three individuals just really get frustrated with the movie but in a fun way great um yeah then check out i will our say Patreon. i i will say that um the this year's walking the walk was a real uh real test for yeah. your audience it was a real test for me as an editor <laughs> i bet it certainly it was uh it was an entertaining episode just to be clear but as it started yeah. i was like this is only the second time that I can think of that you opened an episode with a disclaimer. <laughs> the only other one I think was was the Batman versus Superman one where you guys lost uh, lost the episode. So it was sort of... Uh, right. Yeah. A disclaimer to sort of address yes. a technical issue, whereas right. with the recent episode... a quality issue. It was a quality as far as what is being said in the content. Um yeah it was uh i feel like it was throwback podcasting in the sense that it was like people sort of uh all uh sort of 
just talking and hoping that it was going to turn into something. Yeah. And then eventually we had to kind of revisit that conversation and do sort of do a post wrap up. So it's very meta. It's, there's a lot going on, but it's, these are just some of the things that you could, uh, you could uh, listen to um, on blank check. As, as a podcast professional myself, I really appreciated y'all going for the avant-garde in that I episode. I did too. Like it I was, did too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny what you, what you just said, to Ben, of like, because I think that, and this is kind of a, a, a landmine of podcasting, which I'm sure we've all stepped on from time to time, of just being like, well, just we'll just talk and it'll be interesting because people like to hear us talk. And every now and then you come to the realization, like yeah, we, you just didn't have anything. Like you just kind of, it, you're, you're, you're vamping essentially for, for, and thankfully it hasn't happened um, many times, but I, I know I, I feel your pain, Ben of, of that, uh, of that moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, but. I've been working and podcasting a long time and uh, I guess my advice, right to um, anyone is um, if you're going to put in the time and effort to record a conversation, mm-hmm. like have something to say. Yeah, prepare. Just do yeah. even the slightest bit of preparation. You'd be surprised how much better it will be than not prepare. I feel like this advice also applies to Steven Seagal. So we really brought it. Full circle. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. I think that Steven Seagal could learn a lot from this episode if he listens to it, which I'd be shocked if he did, uh, or even knows. If, I, I don't know that he listens to podcasts. Do we think he listens to podcasts? He Joe feels Rogan. like someone who listens to some to weird yeah, podcasts yeah, yeah. that aren't available on major platforms. Like I think <laughs> yeah. that sounds, that sounds right. But listen, Ben, this was, we thank you so much for your time. We hope that you'll come back in the future yes, to talk about, absolutely. you mentioned a few other films that, um, uh, that I, one in particular that felt very Ben Hosley, um, the captain Ron, uh, yeah. feels, feels like a movie that, um, I, <laughs> love to hear uh i'd love to hear your thoughts on um so but more well, than anything please, you know yeah i would love to come back anytime um awesome. this has been a delight thank you so much thank you so so much ben this was thank great you. we'll talk to you Absolutely. soon all right be Later. well Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.